Hi, this is Women Who Travel, a new podcast from Condé Nast Traveller that digs deep into the realities of travelling as a woman today and celebrates why we'll never stay home. For our seventh episode, we're joined by Jaina Maleri, Madewell's editorial director, traveller video editor Diane Kang, and senior digital editor Catherine Legrave. And Meredith is out sick this week. But before we dive into the topic this week, um, I just wanted to shout out to a few listeners who gave us lots of amazing feedback from our last episode, which talked about why the travel industry needs to do more for women of color. We had an influx of messages, Facebook comments. People had a lot to say. Hi, this is Jen Fry. I think that what myself, a black woman needs is someone that really understands what is and isn't safe for black women to go to. Because I think um, it's very European kind of white culture to say that only places like Africa, Latin America, South America are going to be dangerous when those aren't the places where there have been bombings and um, terrorist attacks. It's been the white countries like Belgium and Norway and those type of things. And countries that are mainly of people of color always get the bad rep of that they're the dangerous ones. And those are the ones where actually I felt the most safe and the most welcome. What we need are people that truly understand what isn't isn't dangerous for women of color with good reasons why. Hi, my name is Alexis Madison. I am 25 and I have been traveling for about three years now. Um, And I can definitely tell you that as a woman of color, especially um, outside of the United States, I would say that the travel industry doesn't necessarily cater to myself specifically. A lot of the, the difficulty sometimes that I face is is not really overt racism. It's not people, you know, uh, making me feel unwelcome in places. It's more so the lack of education around how people should address a woman of color in other countries. So as an example, I was in Japan this past May, um, and I actually had a couple who followed me around... um, a site that I was seeing and actually pulled me to the side and asked to take a picture of me just because they had never seen a black woman before. And I could see how to them that's something that would be harmless. But to me, I felt like some sort of circus act um, or a bit of a gimmick. And and I, I took offense to it. There are still cultural boundaries that need to be addressed as a whole. And I think that those boundaries become even thicker and a little bit more difficult to navigate when you show up to a new country or a new place and people realize that you're not either European or of European descent. Um, it, It hasn't stopped me from traveling in any way, but it definitely makes me more aware of who I am and, and how I function and how I exist in any given space. Now on to our topic of the day, which is how to plan your first trip abroad. I think we have all had a variety of different first travel experiences. I traveled for the first time when I was four months old, so I can't remember any of it. <laughs> Tell Apparently us what I, happened. <laughs> I cried for the entire flight. <laughs> My mom said she never got to sit down. <laughs> and then I got shish kebab in Turkey. Nice. Um, But yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit about your first travel experiences. Um, 
Jaina, maybe you want to start? Sure. Um, so the first time that I traveled abroad, I was um, 20 years old. So I was sort of a late travel bloomer. Um, and it was to go and study abroad. So I moved to Italy for um, what was initially going to be a semester. And when I got there, um, I so fell in love with sort of everything, with the program, with the people who I met, with the place where I was living, um, with, you know, what I was eating um, and drinking. And so I decided to extend my stay. And so I ended up staying for a year um, in Florence. And I've been thinking about it a lot since I knew I was going to be coming onto the podcast. And I was thinking one thing that I just like that makes me sort of love 20 year old baby Jaina who just <laughs> didn't know anything about anything as I so clearly remember because um, I had never been anywhere. I was going to Florence, obviously had seen so many pictures of what it was going to look like in the architecture and Duomo and Uffizi and all of it. Um, and I was living in a villa and so I had seen pictures of that and I just remember um, that I really, really thought that when we landed everything was going to look like that. Like the idea that like oh, airports yeah. in totally. Europe are like airports everywhere else. They're mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere. And like, I just, I remember just thinking that like everything was going to look like it had been <laughs> designed by Brunelleschi and getting there and being like, Ooh, just sort of looks like Newark. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> so like where are the cobblestones? Like, where's this carved airport? Yeah, like I was thinking it was going to be all like gorgeous archways and cypress trees. But just like, pause for a second. Everybody can imagine. Like, what would that look like? Great. How great would that oh, be? That'd be awesome. We should work to have that. Just like call up Michelangelo. Yeah. <laughs> can you make this airport? Yeah. Right? But yeah, but then I remember also getting there and realize and once, you know, getting to the place where I was going to be living and then we were sort of outside of town and then going into town and it was all there. So I was like, OK, this is <laughs> this is what I'm here for. Mm. And did you ever expect that you'd end up staying a year? Not when I first got there, because when I first got there, I have always been really bad with jet lag, um, but it was sort of my first experience with jet lag. So I didn't even realize I, I don't think exactly what was happening. Um, so I ended up for the first, I want to say two days. I don't think it was longer, but it was at least, it, I think it was two days. And I, I couldn't eat anything. Why? Because I think I was like, I was partly sort of nervous because it was oh. all, it was such a new experience. But I think it was also just like, I, I, I think it was jet lag and I, I, my, I was just so sort of out of whack. Um, Jet lag's a crazy thing to experience for the first time. Yeah, and to not so that was that's that's something that I would have maybe done a little bit differently in traveling um, for the first time or in planning a trip for the first time is like just sort of learned a little bit more about that and how it can affect people differently. Um, so yeah, so I didn't eat for the first couple of days. Um, and then when I was finally able to, it was great. I remember the f very first thing that I was able to eat because I ended up getting, I think, like I got a little bit sick even from like, so I really, really was like, my stomach was so out of whack. And then the first thing that I was able to eat and keep down was gelato, obviously. And I was like, this is great. Everything's going to be great. Um, <laughs> but no, I would say for the first couple of weeks, I was like, this is going to be one semester and then I'm going to go back. But, you yeah. know, and I just didn't also think that it was possible. You know, I figured like that, it, it really ended up being a conversation with the 
the people who oversaw the program at NYU, um, where I just said, I want to stay for the year. And they said, like, fine, if your parents will pay, if someone will pay for it, you can stay as long as you want. Um, mm. So, <clears throat> yeah. So it took uh, probably maybe the, after the first three weeks, I finally, I think, called my parents. And I was sort of wondering if they would say, you know, if my dad would say, you know, you have to come home, whatever. And he was like, this is great. You should stay. Three weeks is a pretty short amount of time to be won over by a by a country That's yeah what I was gonna say like I feel like for me when I'm in a new co- place it takes me at least six months to be like get over this hump and I'm like okay I could actually see all the amazing things about this place but that's incredible that after three weeks you're like I'm gonna just stay here for a year I think yeah. it also had to do with the fact that um, the program NYU's program it's very different now but at the time you know NYU obviously it's a really big school so um, the experience of being there as a student means that you're in, you know, you're just like, you're in huge classes, like the buildings are, you're like, you're in, you know, you're in the center of New York City. So it's, um, so NYU I felt was sort of an overwhelming experience. And then when I went, the program that they have there, when I was a student, cause I'm a thousand years old, but the program was really, really small. And we, for the mm-hmm. most part, the majority of the students lived at this villa. Um, which was extraordinary. And so it really felt like this much more sort of like a boarding school experience. Um, and I think it, there was also something that felt like it was such a relief coming yeah. from NYU. So I was sort of like, oh, this is so nice. There's like 30 of us. They feed us. It's like yeah. so wonderful. We all sit around and drink wine every night. And so um, it also sort of felt like this is actually like, why am I going back to New York? You know, if I can stay here yeah. for longer, why not? Yeah, I feel like that's great that you had that community as well for your first like travel abroad experience because I think one of the biggest things is like, okay, I'm like here, what am I supposed to do with who, you know, but you had like a community of people you could just like be reaching out to and hanging out with that I'm sure you got super tight with. I mean, I'm not like, I'm just going to. Yes, I did. I did. I will say, I feel like it, it's interesting because I think I'm sort of of two minds when it comes to that because on the one hand it was really great and it made us you know I think we all sort of like bonded and then we would go on adventures together and that's a really really important part of it but I would say also that travel abroad such a big part of it is interacting with the people in the place where you are um Mm -hmm. and so well yeah and you know the whole point of going abroad for the first time is to take yourself out of your comfort zone exactly and while the temptation might be oh but I can hang out with all the other kids that are (laughs) on my study abroad trip you kind of have to make yourself put yourself out there a little bit definitely I think it, it and it really changes your experience I think one of the really nice things that um as part of my program NYU did was obviously we were taking intensive language classes and so they sort of paired us up with um, Italian students who wanted to learn English and so yeah so once they did that I mean obviously it was also just like who are like the cute Italian (laughs) guys (laughs) (laughs) Um, but so that was a piece of it for sure but um but it was really great because once we got to know that crew then we started going out with them and then it just it really really did broaden the experience so much and also just you know if you're in a place to to study it and to understand it to learn the language I feel like that's so 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 important um and I always have tried to speak the language any place that I'm going learn a few things just because I feel like that also just helps right because like if you're trying to communicate with someone in another language that can sort of 
I don't know, it, it just creates a different experience than yeah. like forcing someone to speak English. So I, I tried to do that as much as possible, especially there, because I just wanted to learn Italian too. Um, so once we started hanging out with the <laughs> Italian boy students, that made things <laughs> like, you know, just like, um, like I said, it sort of shifted the experience and, it, and I, I think it, it, it made it um, just better because we ended up like seeing what it was like to be a 20 year old who lives in Florence um, more like versus a, a 20 year old student there for a semester or a year. And Catherine, mm. you kind of grew up all over the place. Yeah, uh, so for this, I was thinking about it. Um, I grew up, like my first trip abroad again, I was one and a half or something, didn't remember that either. Um, but I remember the first solo trip I took um, and I went to Spain. And talk about like getting out of your comfort zone and planning, like this was when I was still sort of realizing how I liked to travel because I'd never traveled alone, right? And so I didn't realize at the time how important like details and planning are to me. Um, the, the thing that comes to mind is that I knew I was gonna fly into this airport and I had a hostel, but I didn't really have like a clear idea of how to get there. And it's this old city and I just remember like taking a cab from the airport, which was probably a mistake, and then walking around, I couldn't find this place didn't speak Spanish and then I got in another cab and like he also couldn't find the place and it was just a mess and then later after I found this hostel um, I went on their site and found that they have like walking directions from <laughs> you know <laughs> from like main landmarks but I was just like mm -hmm. where is this place mm -hmm. um, so that's definitely something I would have done differently like right all the the small stuff at least for me sort of knowing the type of person that I am um, I guess that's part of me being younger and still figuring that out. Um, but one thing I really liked <clears throat> about that was actually the hostel experience that I know, um, or sort of just that concept, like I don't love meeting new people, but I knew that if I got like a private room that I would never probably come out of it and meet new people. Um, so it was great. Like I met my bunk mates um, and ended up making some friends there and then hanging out with them for the rest of the trip. So I planned kind of a mix of like, I knew there were certain activities I wanted to do, but also left it open for like, if I did meet somebody, um, I think that's important, having a mix. What made you decide to book the trip in the first place? I think it was a cheap Ryanair flight and I <laughs> always wanted to go. Yeah, it's kind of, now when I think back on it, there were certain times when like Jane was talking about you're uncomfortable and pushed out of your comfort zone. But now when I look back, I'm like helped me see things differently, you know, mm -hmm. and I remember it. So well, it I turned out okay. It's a good lesson to learn, right? Yeah, and I think the point you made about forcing yourself to, when you stay in a hostel to book maybe a shared room <laughs> is really interesting because I just remember my, the first day I moved into dorms in college and going into my room and in the UK no one shares rooms so you have your own room which is great um and sitting there and knowing that everyone was like hanging out downstairs and being like I don't want to leave this room I don't want to leave Ugh, this room yeah and then I was like I have to make myself go out there and talk to these people mm. and because I need friends to survive and I think it's the same if you're on a trip by yourself yeah you're putting yourself in situations where it's easier to facilitate conversation right yeah or like meeting someone maybe. And, and you end up having like hilarious experiences. I mean, I just, there were like these two Dutch guys that I met in a hostel in Fiji when I was 20. And we had like a great time and ended up having like a very similar route 
planned, mm-hmm. I guess, because all backpackers have the same routes planned. <laughs> um, and you think you're being original. Um, and I also want to note that this hostel was called Funky Fish, which was great. Um, Wait, fish with a PH? If only. Sadly not. (laughs) (laughs) But um, they still crop up on my Facebook every now and then, and it's just like hilarious seeing these people just living their lives in the Netherlands. (laughs) And Diane, what about you? Uh, You again traveled for the first time when you were pretty young. Yeah, I was traveling since I was like way young because I had family in Korea, so we'd always be visiting them back and forth. but I guess what I consider my first trip abroad, I would say, is when I went traveling by myself, like Catherine. Um, I backpacked around Central America for two months, which was like insane. And um, yeah, it was really, really challenging. It pushed me in ways that like I never uh, realized or expected. And um, looking back on it, it was amazing because I feel like I grew a lot from it. But during the time, I just, I think I, I thought I hated to travel because <laughs> it was so hard and like it was so, uh, just like I had a lot of difficult experiences while I was like backpacking, especially by myself. So, um, yeah. So, what was your route? Where did you My where route? did you go? Yeah. So I started in Guatemala. And then I went to Honduras, and then I went down to Nicaragua, El Salvador, and Costa Rica. I ended in Costa Rica. I didn't make it to Panama because I ran out of money. So (laughs) so I was like, fine, I guess this is it. I have to go back home. But yeah, uh, I saved up that money for a good uh, half a year before I was able to go travel. So that was my reward. But it's interesting because, you know, you said that at times it was like really hard and really tough. Yeah. But you you could have flown home at, at any time and you didn't yeah, like something I, kept you on that trip a hundred percent yeah I was just curious I was like well maybe like I'm just gonna check out this place and I wanted to keep exploring and seeing like maybe this place will like have something else and actually like I'm so happy I stayed because I was able to see like as difficult as it was I saw some of the things that like still leave um imprints in my mind like I saw the sky with no like pollution light pollution and if you've seen that like where you feel like engulfed by like stars oh my god that was just like such a breathtaking experience that like I don't think I would have everything all the struggles were like worth it from that experience um but yeah I that was my first travel abroad and because I was backpacking I started out with like so much clothes and I while I was traveling I was like I don't need this I don't ever use this and I slowly just like slimmed down my entire backpack and um I ended up just yeah I realized how little you actually need to go on when you're active and traveling. And so that's yeah. a great point. And that was actually going to lead me on to my next question, which is when it comes to actually planning these trips, first off, packing. Mm-hmm. Everyone overpacks. <laughs> what? I still overpack. I mean, I still <laughs> overpack. When I came back from London after Christmas, my bag was overweight <laughs> and I was like on the floor in Heathrow, like pulling things out. And so you were that person in the news that put on all their clothes. Yeah. <laughs> that was. was so funny. I was like Joey and friends. But yeah, I'd love to know, um, you know, what you guys have learned in terms of you only bring a carry-on now mm-hmm. what if you learned that you don't need on these trips i mean you don't need as many clothes 
-hmm. But I say that and I was just in Paris for Christmas and was like, I absolutely need two (laughs) coats. Like, who needs two coats? No one needs two coats. I do. For different looks, right? Exactly. But it's like, you don't. I also overpack with shoes usually. And just, I, I think you just need fewer looks. Well, I think it's also easy when you're packing to think that, I think people forget that other countries have stores. Yeah. Right. And it's like, if it turns out that it's way colder than you thought, you can just go and buy a sweater. Like, you yeah. can, if you run out of some sort of toiletry, you can buy it there. And I think it's sort of really easy to think like, oh, I'm going away for the first time abroad. I don't know what's going to be like. Like, I'm going to have to just bring everything with me. And, of course, you rock up and there's, like, a zillion pharmacies. Right. Yeah. I think, yes, I definitely feel that way. But then I also think, because I used to be on the Travelogue podcast occasionally. And so um, I'm sure LaGrave remembers and is going to be bored to hear that when I (laughs) was on it, I would always talk about um, being nice when you travel. Um, And I think that... I still feel that way. I still think that everyone is not as nice as they could be when they travel, and they should be. Mm-hmm. But I, I also think that you should be nice to yourself when you travel. And so I think that what people do, there's a tendency to do when you travel abroad for the first time, is to um, is to push yourself. And I think that there are mm-hmm. really, really important aspects of that. But I think that also um, you should be comfortable, like, and you should be n- nice to yourself. And if you um, if, if being nice to yourself means that you bring six sweatshirts because you feel like they're going to make you feel comfortable and like yourself, then just do it. Or like if you need to bring your stuffed animal, just bring your stuffed animal. If once you're there, you have like, you know, plans to visit every single museum that every single person you asked told you that you had to go to. Like if you end up doing that and that feels good, great, do it. And that's wonderful. But I think that... um if you also find a, like a really great cafe and you just want to go and sit there for four and a half hours every day, then you should do <laughs> that too. Because I think like what you were saying, Catherine, is there's something really nice to having a plan and allowing for the fact that that plan might fall apart or just go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because one of the questions that were was posed in the Women Who Travel Facebook group this week um, when we said we'd be talking about this on the podcast um, was this woman, Kelly... Shout out Kelly. Um, And she's planning a trip right now that isn't her first time abroad, but it is her boyfriend's. Um, So she's trying to figure out how to plan the trip so that he gets to see a lot, but at the same time, the itinerary isn't completely overloaded. Um, And she doesn't want to overwhelm him. And she wanted to know, how do you find that balance for a first international trip? Good question. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I mean, I I would kind of go back to my old advice, right? Sort of pick five ultimates um, and hope you get to see three and then, you know, be flexible and understand that hopefully these places aren't going anywhere and you can go back and, you know, to Kelly's point, if she's already been someplace, you know, going back can be equally as interesting as going the first time because you don't have all that pressure and you can see different stuff. Another thing, like I I don't know how comfortable people are doing this, but the option of splitting up. um, Yeah, I totally, totally think that that is the way to go. (laughs) Yeah, like Hmm. 
you know, a lot of people, I don't know, some people aren't for it or they think there's some sort of like stigma to it, but it's recognizing how you like to travel, how your partner likes to travel and how can we get the most out of this trip? And if it's not necessarily together in these two hours, then that's fine. Yeah. And I think be communicative of that yeah. at the beginning, because I think often mm-hmm. people get to the end of a trip and then and the whole time you've been desperate to go off on your own and explore for a yeah. bit and then you realize that the other person has <laughs> also been wanting to do that and you've both been too polite to say anything yeah that's a really good point point. and i would also say that give yourself some downtime um in my experience you know it's really easy again to think like all right i have to cram everything that i want to do into this like very short mm-hmm. time period and i'm going to feel super guilty if i don't see these monuments or museums or like spectacular pieces of nature. But like, hopefully you will go back and also travel supposed to be fun. Like you're supposed to have a fun time. And if part of what's fun for you is like just vegging out in your hotel room for mm-hmm. like three hours watching like random foreign television, you should a hundred percent do it mm-hmm. and I, order room service. I will say some of the, uh, you mentioned sh- not wanting her partner to be overloaded. I will say like, if there are things that you want to see um, that you want to prioritize, one thing that I found help or that helps is like making sure that you have those, this goes back to me being organized um, reservations set or like pre-book tickets. So you're not, you know if it's your first time in Florence you don't want to spend all this time waiting in line just a small tip that can maybe make a difference and those are a nice way to like anchor your day because you think all right I we have this lunch reservation at this restaurant we wanted to try and it's in this great neighborhood so let's get there an hour before and then we can explore and then go and get this meal and I think it's sort of you, you give these little you have these little moments in the day that give some structure and then you can kind of be flexible around it totally or at least that's how I like how I like to travel. Totally agree. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think what people do, or I don't know, maybe people realize this, but I don't realize it. This, I feel like I'm going to sound like I'm just like <laughs> very anti-culture and I'm not. Um, but I do think, you know, I think it's like, look, we all live in New York and, you know, if you're in Times Square, I feel like, and you see people and they're just in, they're obviously tourists and they're obviously like chosen to be in Times Square. I think that we all sort of like, you know, there's this like, knee-jerk reaction to sort of roll your eyes and be like how can you spend all of your time here um because there's so much more that the city has to offer but then I think of like you know going to Rome and being like gotta see the Spanish steps which like (laughs) is that not just the Times Square of Rome you know where it's just like you're you're having that same or a similar experience where you're just sort of like allowing yourself to be sort of like herded into a tourist area um and there's just something so nice to, like you said, just like planning a place to go have lunch and then going to that neighborhood and then just wandering around that neighborhood. Because I think that um, what can feel so special about travel abroad is when you do feel like you have an experience that um, that feels local, you know, that just makes you feel like, oh, I'm sort of like part of this community, even if it's just <laughs> for a lunch, even if it's just for an hour, even if it's just for like a conversation that you have with someone on the street. Um, and I think, you know, so sort of the further you can away you can get from the things that feel like they're on a list they're on everybody's list the the, sort of the greater your chances are to have those experiences yeah it's funny the Times Square thing is something that I did on it wasn't you know it wasn't my first trip abroad but it was the first trip abroad that I had planned and paid for myself and I was 18 I was going to go see my friend who was doing study abroad at NYU and um, I had saved up all this money 
took this transatlantic flight just me and a friend um and I was yeah was feeling great and it was an amazing trip and I'd never been to New York I'd never been to the States and I had it in my head that like I have to go see Times Square and my friend who was like doing study abroad here was like seriously like do we have to go (laughs) we could just like go get dinner or like see a movie and I was like no I was like we're going to Times Square so we like get the subway there and I step out into it and I was just kind of like this is it (laughs) (laughs) this is terrible like get me out of here and then I like yeah we immediately like I was I think I was in Times Square for like five minutes and then was just like okay I'm done I need to leave but we wasted two hours doing it yeah but I still feel like it's something that you need to try and experience just so at least you have an opinion about how you feel that's about true it. yeah I so. no like, i think I mean, if you want to go to times square you should go to times square i'm just yeah. i just think that like i think it was more the realization to me that it, that every city has a times square and that as much that's as i'm true. like i would never be that kind of tourist i absolutely have been and there's nothing wrong with being that kind of tourist it's just there are you know there are a lot of different kinds of tourists and that's, and that's a great thing about traveling again and again and going back to the same places because the second time you go, you won't go to Times Square. Exactly. Yeah. Until you move here and have to work in Times Square, right. and then you never <laughs> escape it. Right. Which is what happened to me. <laughs> um, but Diana, I'd love to hear um, from yeah. your from your trip. Um, you know, you it was your first trip traveling alone through a whole whole different part of the world. Yeah. Um, what do you wish you'd planned in advance more, uh, and what do you wish you'd like left unplanned? Yeah, that whole trip was unplanned. So I was just making it up as I went. Oh my God. And I really regret it. Just like, I think this is a road. You're like, I'll just try this. So this looks close enough. I'll go there next. And like, it was just very um, uh, inefficient. And I feel like I just didn't get to see like all of the great stuff. Like at least like the, tr- like the main things I was like, I need to check out. I didn't get to check it out. People like when I talk about the trip, they're like, oh, did you visit that place? And I'm like, oh, no, because I had nothing planned. I didn't look up anything. I wasn't doing any research, but it was, um, it was that, I think it's good and bad to do that. It's not, I think it's, I agree with Catherine. It's good to have like a loose itinerary, like where you have like the anchor places where you're going to go. And, um, and, you know, next time that was actually a good learning experience. Cause I realized I don't like traveling just completely unplanned and I'm probably in the future and I do uh, definitely plan much more it's so easy now to have more control over your trip as well seeing that like everyone has smartphones like that first trip I did to New York I did not have a smartphone and I don't really know I mean I guess I found my way around everywhere people for many years (laughs) had traveled without smartphones and it was fine but it is I feel like you can plan so efficiently now I would have you know, had those two hours in Sevilla back. In an instant. Crickets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything that you, other other than ha- the route to the airport, is there anything you wish you'd plan more in advance? I mean, the, the stuff to see, um, I think I just didn't, like you talked about anchoring your days and places, you know, um, I had a sense of, okay, here are some attractions I want to see, but no idea of how they were near each other or anything and <laughs> wasn't very efficient with my time. Again, mm-hmm. if, if you like to travel um, like that, more power to you, but I was just sort of bouncing around the city in a non-efficient way. I wasn't smart enough to figure it out. So that's on me. Um, 
it's probably not very helpful but no I think it is I think a lot of people that show up at these places with probably should have planned more at least I did um but that kind of leads me to my next um point which is um you know, I think when people decide they want to plan a trip abroad for the first time, I mean, obviously, sometimes you're, you're you know, you're bought there by, you know, you're drawn there because of a family member or you have a wedding to attend or you go there for work. But if you're just planning a trip abroad on your own volition, kind of all of the best places to go are some, sit, you know, is it a city? Is it um, something beachy or more rural um kind of what countries should people be thinking about i mean i think you should start with the type of vacation that you like to have and go from there right like you just outlined a few categories beach adventure i forgot what the other one was but you said it um city city Uh aha um and, and go from there um you know i had thinking about this a few places and and I think the language barrier is a a big factor for a lot of people so if that is you know maybe you want to start somewhere like the UK Um, Scotland I really love I just did a trip there last year I think it's great for solo travelers um, for group travelers you know the language being the first thing but also because it's a good jumping off point um, for the rest of Europe so maybe you go there you get acclimated um, to just sort of being on a new continent and you take a Ryanair flight to somewhere else. And actually, when you were study abroad in Italy, did you make the most of those Ryanair flights? Um, I don't think Ryanair existed, because again, I'm a thousand years old, but I did have a, what was it, a Eurorail pass? Love Eurorail. Um, And I remember I fought with my dad about it, um, because I wanted, (laughs) I think, sort of the unlimited, Um, and he was nervous about me going abroad, um, because, because I'm his daughter and because he is a protective Italian dad. And I think also because he had never been abroad. Um, the first time that he ever went abroad was when he came to visit me when I was living there. So we fought and I wanted, I remember like really, really wanting him to include like, or let me buy the ticket that included the Czech Republic and he wouldn't, and ultimately he was the one paying for it, so I just had to be okay with it. Um, and then I felt like such a nerd because I got there and everyone, their first trip, first weekend was like, we're going to Prague, we're getting absent, it's going to be <laughs> wild. And I was like, I can't go because of my Eurorail pass. Um, but I did, um, I did use it all the time, and we did travel, I would say, most weekends. And I think our s- sort of schedule was constructed in such a way that I think that we didn't even have, they didn't even try to schedule classes on Friday because they wanted to encourage all of us to go away and to travel, which was really, really wonderful. Um, so yeah, so I went to a ton of different places. Um, and and I wish that I had gone, you know, I, I've been talking about sort of like the, the pleasure of going back to a place. Um, I wish that I had done that while I was there because I think there was this feeling of like okay we did Paris that's done but it's like you're spending 72 hours in a place and it would have been nice to say like actually that was great and I want to um go back but you know when you're like 20 years old you're just like oh great we're going to Switzerland great you know and there's also something to that to that like because it's so different than obviously being in a in America yes you can travel from state to state but that idea that you can every weekend be in a different <laughs> country is is incredible still um 
so yeah so I went all over the place so I think a lot of people think of Italy as this iconic country is that somewhere that you would recommend for a first trip abroad or would you say no go somewhere else what do you think I mean I love Italy we try to go back to Italy every year um it's really really important to me because because I did because that experience was it was so transformative for me and I think that it also it sort of changed it changed my relationship to New York in a, in a really interesting way because I think that I you know had gone to a really teeny tiny high school and like I said sort of had trouble adjusting to NYU it was really big and mm-hmm. felt overwhelming mm-hmm. and then I went abroad and had this really really positive experience and realized you know that I was capable of of making friends, <laughs> traveling around, being on my own, you know, like navigating, going into a pharmacy and asking an Italian if they had medicine <laughs> for a UTI. Like, that's a great formative experience. <laughs> um, I did that in Greece recently, but unfortunately it was medicine I needed for food poisoning. Oh, oh, no. The miming was, you know. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think that after being in Italy, I came back and then sort of, it made me want to explore New York more. It just sort of made me feel, it gave me this sort of confidence. Um, I'm also Italian, so I think that I have that relationship to it. But I think that as much as I love Florence, and I actually, after I graduated from college, um, I applied for a scholarship and went back to Italy for the summer um, and studied at the University of Siena. So I also spent a summer in Siena, which I really, really loved. And as much as I love those two places, I think that my best experiences in Italy have been when I um, have been sort of in places that feel less touristy. So mm-hmm. we try to go to Bologna once a year, um, which is like really, really amazing. But I think what, the, what's great about Italy is that it's a really small country. So you can be in Florence and you can do a day trip to Siena, you can do a day trip to Bologna, you can do, a, you know, you can sort of, that can be your hub and you can you can get pretty much anywhere, especially the trains are so fast now. Um, yeah, I think, I don't want to get hate mail for this, but trains in the US aren't great. And no, I feel like people those. get put off by train travel, um, but it's so efficient in Europe and fast and um, the high-speed trains in like Italy and France um, are amazing. You, yeah, you can get places so quickly, and it's affordable in a way that it isn't here, um, which is really strange. Because I, it, I agree. I wish that train travel was better here. I'm a terrible flyer. I hate to fly. I would r- rather t- I would take a train anywhere, even even if I had to be on it for seven days rather than get on a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, so I want to hear when you did this first trip abroad. What was that flight like? I wasn't as afraid of flying then, so it was fine. Um, but I, th- I think I was pretty freaked out. But again, I was like expecting to like for us to land and be <laughs> in the heart of like beautiful <laughs> cobblestone Florence. So I was like, this is going to be amazing. Like the clouds are going to part, and it's going to be so cool. And then it wasn't. And then I was like, what did I get myself into? But then it was still great. Um, yeah, it's nice. My so my a good friend of mine, Sarah. She, um, you know, it was in her late twenties when she went abroad for the first time, and she went to Italy. And she and her boyfriend started in Rome, and then they did a road trip. Um, you know, went and drank wine, had an amazing time, 
Um, and now, so that was her first time she'd been out of the country. And now a couple of years later, they're going back to Rome in like three weeks to get married there. Um, so I think that's a very nice example of going somewhere, falling in love with it and then returning to it again. Yeah, that's, that's so, so nice. Sweet. It's wonderful when that happens, when you can have a connection with a place that isn't your own yeah that's like the that's why people tra- you know it's like that's the best part of travel um i want everyone to have that experience and so diane i'd be interested to know um from your experience and i know you you lived in korea for a while how was that as an american traveling there oh, and- oh my gosh <laughs> yeah i lived in korea for a year and a half and i at the beginning i really hated it <laughs> Um, and it's weird because when I just traveled there, when I was like younger, I really loved it. But I think it's because I never lived there, so I didn't really experience it in its I, like entirety. Um, but it was really hard because I was working in a corporate uh, environment there, and like it was very. Uh, it's, the corporate environment is really difficult there, especially for a woman. There is a lot of sexism and ageism uh, and I was the youngest person in my company so I was a it was a really difficult experience uh, I I hated it at the beginning <laughs> but I quit that corporate job and I started to take English and that's when I really started to fall in love with Korea I think I was meeting all of these um, I was teaching English to like adults and I was meeting these adults that were like uh, had much more of an open mind than uh, the people in my corporate company and yeah, it was uh, eye-opening, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't want to talk down into Korea about Korea. I just, it was so hard for me as an American because I was taught like, speak your mind, you know, try to like make, bring change, like improve things. But like in Korea, if you try to do that, it's like so much pushback. And they're like, who are you to like try to bring or like, give us your opinions about anything you know it's kind of like that which is like I was not used to that environment at all it was hard um, would yeah. you say that um, you know going to teach English if you're going abroad for like the first time would be a good way to find an in to a country oh for sure yeah I would go out like and uh, drink with my students and stuff we like <laughs> got really close <laughs> because they were like the same age as me you know it wasn't like they were like these little kids um, and it was a great way to see get uh, tied into like the locals there so yeah I 100% recommend it plus it's pretty good money in Korea it was like really really decent money <laughs> and the food's yeah. amazing yeah so a lot of late night drinks and barbecue and karaoke it's a lot of fun yeah it's an amazing um and so Catherine you know you talked about your first trip was um to Europe and you know a lot of questions that um I think our readers and our listeners often have and get confused about is um you know where's safe Uh to go right now and um I think for anyone that isn't working in the travel industry um fielding travel warnings and yeah. <laughs> news alerts about like where's safe and where's not safe to go can be totally overwhelming and in my opinion can be a little fear-mongering and I know you've written about this in the past and I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on you know how much listeners should be taking these seriously and you know how much they should use their own judgment when choosing where to travel mm-hmm. um you know I think a traveler we always talk about um 
just sort of being a practical traveler. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I think one of the most important things to note is that the advisory and warning system has changed, and that's caused cost, uh, a lot of confusion. Um, the past few days. So it used to be that the State Department issued travel alerts, travel warnings, and now every country is given a number from one to four. One means normal precautions, just, you know, be aware of your surroundings. Um, level four is the highest, and that means they're saying do not travel there. Again, that doesn't mean you're banned from the country like you are from North Korea, but it just means that they think, um, you know, you might be a victim of sort of or have a higher chance of an attack or something like that and that government services might not be there to support you. Um, I, I don't think that means, like I said, don't travel somewhere. Um, obviously, those level fours are places most Americans uh, aren't traveling anywhere. Like what's, what's an example? Um, level four is mostly, give, I mean, like Syria. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in level four has also been given to certain regions, right? We saw this the past week with Mexico, where Mexico, the country, is given a two, but certain states within Mexico are given a four um, just because of gang and, and drug violence. Um, and, so to, and to be clear, these, these certain states, they're um, not necessarily tourist hubs. No, not at all. They're not tourist hubs, but you know we saw a lot of those headlines like, oh, these, these states in Mexico have the same warnings as Iraq and Syria. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and that's true, but there are places that are very far away from everyday places tourists are going. So I think it's important to read between the lines um, and to understand the the reasoning behind why countries are given these um, warnings. And so if, if any country is a two or above, right? So if any country is a three, a reconsider travel, or four, do not travel, um, they're given certain read reasons so you'll see like a c for crime t for terrorism um what else is there natural disaster n right so they all have these certain indicators that'll tell you why um and the state department again if there are three or four these countries are evaluated every six months so keep checking back read the fine print doesn't mean do not travel but it certainly means be educated about where you're going yeah, I think that's really good advice. I mean, I think about um, London as an example, which, you know, last year had some really, you know, suffered from some really horrific um, acts of terror. Um, and the travel warning for the UK, and I think, like, most of Europe was mm -hmm. pretty severe. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, it's true. Yeah. Um, but, like, I don't know. All my family was there. Everything was fine. Like, life plods on as usual. And, like... I mean, it didn't, I, the, the thought of not going home mm -hmm. after that happened was absolutely ridiculous to me. And of course I was going for a different, you know, in a different context, but I really do think it's a lot of down to using your own judgment. And, you know, if you, if you know people who are there, who are on the ground, like talk to them. And put it in perspective, like you said, um, you know, the, the level, to go back to Mexico, um, as a whole country, level two, which is the same level that you see for Paris or Rome, you know, but people aren't putting them side by side as often as they feel like they should have been. Yeah, right. Yeah, we, I think, yeah, it's just also, I mean, I understand, of course, you have to be as, you know, as travelers, as women travelers, we all have to be really smart and there's a level of vigilance that you have to have, but... Um, you know, I, 
actually, you know, as I said, we were in Paris for the holidays, and the last time that we had been in Paris was two years ago, and we were there um, in the neighborhood where the um, the terrorist attacks um, took place and where the Bataclan was, um, and we actually missed everything by... Um, you know, we were having dinner next door to where one of the um, shootings took place, and we looked back um, at our receipt from dinner to see, and we actually missed it by, I think it was something like 11 minutes, um, oh which was really scary at the time. And I was there for work. I was there for Condé Nast Traveler. Um, and we actually had this really <laughs> sort of one of the most profound travel experiences of my life, where the next day we were walking around when they sort of opened things back up, um, and we were right there in the neighborhood, and we stopped by um, a little store um, just because we wanted to see if there was anything that we could get to eat just to like take and walk around with us. And the woman, we were talking to her and she was, you know, she said that she didn't have any baguette because, you know, she was like explaining to me and I was trying to, you know, be good and communicate in French. And so she was like, yep, you know, the baker hasn't gotten over to us today, but he's like, we're running out like on foot to get baguette. Um, and she was just like, you know, it's just been, and she just sort of trailed off. Um, and like, you know, it just, my heart broke for her because it was her neighborhood and I just felt so mm -hmm. sad. And so we ended up sort of like talking a little bit more and I said, I'm so sorry. And we like hugged and it was really, really wonderful. And when we were just in Paris over the holidays, we stayed in the same neighborhood because we had loved it. And we like loved that place because the sandwich that she made when she did get the baguette finally was <laughs> really good. And so we went back. Um, and this was two years later, and we, when we were just there, we, we, so we went back to this little sh shop, and we walked in, and this woman was there, and she just looked at us, and she just said, you were here. And we oh. both were like, yeah, wow. we were. And, like, it was, like, it was, it was amazing. Um, and I think that, you know, not, like, <laughs> look, I don't want anyone to go and have anything terrible happen, but I think that, like, you can't travel with that in mind, and that, you know, people are... I don't know it's there's it's just like it's so much more worth it to travel and to experience everything that you get to experience than to be afraid mm -hmm. and to not yes. experience any of it um but it, be smart about it absolutely pay attention to those warnings absolutely but like but just also know that like there are so many amazing people out there and you get to mm -hmm. go and interact with them and it's well it's it, like how you were saying how worried your dad was about going you going on study abroad and he had never left the country and then he came to visit you and I'm sure he became a lot less scared of you being there totally and he loved it so much and he was so happy and I think it made him it's really nice too when you can because like I don't know about your parents it's really hard for me to make my dad proud um or at least for him to say to me mm -hmm. that I have done something <laughs> that makes him proud and and to see when he came to visit me that he was like, you know, it's because travel abroad, it can really transform you. And so I think for him to see that I was sort of this like more together, like more confident version of myself than, than when he put me on that plane, it's really wonderful. And that has everything to do with going abroad. Um, so, yeah. And I, I just want to add um, just to um, the topic of, you know, safety and travel warnings. Um, you know, Catherine, you mentioned natural disasters and I actually ended up being in Guadalajara, Mexico a week after the really severe earthquakes um, that happened in Oaxaca and Mexico City. And, you know, Guadalajara was like, was fine. 
um it hadn't been affected but a lot of people were like oh are you sure you want to go on this trip like is it gonna be safe and i was like i don't know i really <laughs> thought about it just gonna go and um the the feeling that i had from numerous conversations over that long weekend was people were like thank you so much for being here um we need people to be here like please keep coming mm-hmm. please tell mm-hmm. everyone that with you know we're struggling at the moment but we're going to be fine and we need people to still come and visit and you know in a more cynical way pump their tourist dollars into right. the country and but it is a way of showing support i think that's really that's such a good point and i think people don't you don't realize that what happens um when these places sort of fall out of favor for whatever reason and how um you know they could sort of benefit most of all like in in these moments from people continuing to travel there i mean i feel like we say this a lot here at traveler but you know the way to overcome fear is to travel and experience new countries and mm-hmm. i don't know i just feel like i can't say that enough um say some of our listeners they've never been abroad and they haven't got a passport like what do you do what do you have to do to like even get out of the country you know how do you make it happen get a passport no um, <laughs> number one get a passport um so i like to think of it as sort of five steps to getting a passport you need to fill out a form if you are a first-time applicant for a passport you have to go to a passport center um in person and those can be found on the dhs website right um so you need to sub- submit supporting documents you have to have citizenship evidence um identification military id driver's license um need to have a photo and this is when i think it's like one out of three f- passport applications get kicked back to people because, because of the they photo? Have a photo because they take the photo wrong or they don't have they it. take the photo wrong um so there are all sorts of rules one of the biggest ones i think that trips people up is has to have been taken in the past six months of course you want like this beautiful shot of yourself um, but it needs to be a recent photo you can't wear glasses you can't wear anything on your head unless you have um, a note from a doctor or sort of i guess a religious leader saying yes you know this is why you're wearing this um, it has to be taken on a white background, but all of these guidelines are on the website. Um, and like I said, the biggest thing is to tick those boxes, make sure you have um, the required forms, the photos, um, and then submit it in person. And then that'll take you about four to six weeks um, for a processing time. I would obviously not wait uh, six weeks before your trip to apply for a passport, um, but that's, that's my big tip, right? Once you're sort of in the planning stages, three months ahead, however long, I guess that's normally when I plan my trips, um, get a passport. That's it, right? Get a passport. Um, yeah, definitely don't book a flight <laughs> before you have your passport. Yeah, you might need to, yeah, you might need to put in your passport number. Um, if you have like an infant, do. does the infant need a passport? Yeah. So, oh. infant passport. Really? Really? Oh. Baby passport. Baby passport. I think the pictures are hilarious. They're like little. You have to sort of prop them up. I think Laura Redman, our deputy digital director, she has already got her six-month-old passport. I'm pretty sure because they just went to Paris. Yeah, yeah, so she must. Because you have to be able to, you know, prove that it's your kid, and they need the the stamps to show where they've been and where they're coming from. That makes sense. Baby stamps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 Crickets again. <laughs> I got it, Lolly. Um, you always do. Yeah, but that's the thing I would say would be the biggest passport. Anything else? SIM cards. 
I don't know. Oh, depending oh on that's yeah. great. Yeah. That's really true. Phone companies now have changed it to be more competitive. So, you know, you're not going over and turning off your phone for a certain amount of time. I was just in Hong Kong and I think I'm on Verizon. Major plug for Verizon here or AT&T, one of the two. Um, <laughs> but you can pay by the day and get your same plan. So I think I was going for six days. It's $10 a day. Nothing happens. I just was able to use the same phone plan that I have in the States. So check with your phone company. Mm -hmm. um, credit cards and I banking. Agree. Yeah. That Notify one. them that you're traveling. Um, this has happened to me before where I forgot. And they, they will shut your yeah. card off oh, so fast. Oh like so annoying. in the airport still. I feel yeah. like, you know, I feel like I've tried to buy like gum <laughs> at the airport in Italy yeah. and it's like denied and then you have to call and it's yeah. a nightmare. Yeah. So yeah. And it's, it's super easy now. I mean, at least you with my bag, online. you can do it online. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It takes two, two minutes. We actually have a checklist uh, on our site about 12 or 14 things to do before your trip abroad. Um, and it obviously applies to your first trip. So check it out. Yeah. I would also say, and this is my mother speaking, but maybe if you maybe get travel insurance mm. maybe be that mm. one sometimes i haven't and maybe i should have <laughs> <laughs> i would love to hear you know even if it wasn't your first trip abroad if there was like an early trip that you planned yourself maybe you went alone maybe you went with friends but it was like the first time that you felt like wow i'm like really doing things like i'd love you guys to just shout that out the first trip i planned post spain that i'm proud of um was i went to oslo in January, which you guys can all laugh right now. Um, Wait, didn't why? didn't they have um, some it's campaign that said that it was like no, no, that was Finland, but it's oh. the same. I went there and was like, so when's the sun gonna come up? <laughs> it was like dark the whole time, <laughs> so that part I didn't plan very well. But the rest of it, I planned and and I went by myself and had a really great time. I had some friends there from college, um, hmm. but that was one that really stood out to me in terms of being a, a bookmark. Um, in the positive direction, you know, sort of what I learned from the Spain experience, planning um, certain things and then leaving free time. So yeah, Oslo in January, I can't recommend it enough. Um, the My closest friend who I met when I was living abroad in Florence um, the year after we got back. So um, I think it was my senior year in college and her junior year um we decided to go back and we planned everything ourselves and um this was <laughs> so long ago that i think we found a s sort of sketchy travel agent to like help us but because we were doing it completely on our own it meant that we were obviously paying for everything by ourselves and so we had to find finding a cheap flight was sort of like make or break because if we couldn't then we wouldn't have been able to go and so just sort of navigating that and, and being able to do that felt sort of huge and then getting ourselves there getting you know because it was my first time back and when I was there I feel like I was sort of adventurous but still it was all within like within the context of being a student um so there were resources there for me and just even having that built in even if I didn't take advantage of them just knowing that you know me just makes you sort of I think feel differently so um so just the two of us like getting there obviously because we found super cheap tickets I forget like what <laughs> airport we flew into it was not Florence and then just like you know getting like finding our way to Florence um and just like tracking down some of those <laughs> Italian boys who we met in our language class while we were there and just like sort of having like a reunion that we all planned um it was great it was and it just also was this like 
this, you know, this really nice reminder that all of that really did happen and that like it did really sort of change me and that I could still go back and be like, I still know this city. I still know how to get around. I know how to get on the bus. And you're like, like, I'm the same person, but I'm also a different person. Yeah, I was like, no, I'm like a better person. (laughs) Um, But yeah, also there's a part of me that I think has always felt like, um, like when I'm in Italy, I'm sort of the best version of myself. So it was also really nice to go back and, and experience that. I don't think I'm the best at planning my (laughs) trips, so it's really hard for me to think of something that I feel really proud of, but uh, like a plan, like a trip that I planned that I feel really proud of, but um, I recently went to Nashville, and I think it might be just because it's the last place I went to recently that it's like coming up in my mind, but I really researched like where I wanted to eat and like what I wanted to do, and I feel like just going there with a set like itinerary like that it was I was just proud of myself for doing it in the first place because I do not usually plan for my trips so yeah that's yeah I think mine's also a kind of recent trip because okay. um, I'm incredibly disorganized when it comes to my personal life <laughs> and um but I did this trip to Mexico a few years ago and went to and didn't even really know where to start um, then ended up doing Mexico City and Tulum combined. Um, and it was amazing. And I I mean, we rocked up in Mexico City and really like didn't know what to expect. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And somehow everywhere that I'd chosen to dedicate time to was like an amazing place that I fell in love with. And I just, I think about Mexico City all the time. Oh, I want to go back. City. Like it just... It was just one of those travel experiences where you're just like, I am head over heels with this country and I could just go again and again and again and again. So I, f- I feel like I nailed that one. And that's all we have time for. So um, if you guys could go around the table and just shout out your where people can find you on social media. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at King S. Diane. Oh, I'm on Twitter at KJ LeGrave. Uh, I'm on Instagram at JW Malary. And you can find me on Instagram at Lale Hannah. And on behalf of Meredith, who's not here right now, um, you can find her on Instagram and Twitter at OhHeyThereMare. And we'll be back next week for our last episode of the season. But don't worry, because we're only taking four weeks off and then we'll be back. Listen to us next week. Bye.